I'm Ginger. And I'm Dutch. Welcome back to another episode of Ginger and Dutch here on the Ginger and Dutch podcast. But this is unlike any episode we've done before. This is our Super Bowl preview episode. But before we get into that, we're going to bring Dutch in here. Dutch, come on in. How are you? What's going on? What are we saying? Uh, thank goodness there's other sports going on because it's, man, I hate this in-between week uh, before the Super Bowl. But in any event, uh, I'm pumped. we got some awesome stuff to happen today. How's it going? Going good. Everything is uh, rocking and rolling. We're five sleeps away from Super Bowl 55 here. Tampa Bay versus the Kansas City Chiefs at Raymond James Stadium. But uh, before we hop right into our our, uh, Super Bowl preview, we got two great special guests on. One from each side, as we guaranteed. Um, We've got Tucker D. Franklin coming on for the Kansas City Chiefs and James Yarko from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We've got to get into our golf picks. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. And again. Winner, winner, cheater dinner, I shall say. <laughs> Patrick Reed, we had him. Hope you bet him, folks. Uh, hey, we had a winner. We had Rom in the top uh, T7. Four of our five guys made the cut again. We just keep hitting it. I had him at 26 to 1. I'm happy as can be. It was cha-ching, cha-ching all the way. That's three weeks in a row that the old Dutchman's cat. So I'm excited. But, you know, I know it's a huge hot topic. There's a, there was some controversy with it. Um, for those that watched or follow it as much as we do, what do you think of of, of Reed and, and 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 this week on how it all played out? Well, you know what? It's tough. When it, when I first saw it happen, I was watching. I was actually watching it live. I didn't catch a lot of the first two rounds coverage, but I did see a lot of Saturday and Sunday's rounds. When I first saw it happen, I was taken back by just the process of what happened and kind of thought, you know, as a, as a golf professional, okay, that wasn't right. Then you started to think through it a little bit, and then you start to question it. And, and what it comes down to is, is, is two things for me. One, as we saw in the broadcast on Sunday, right off the hop, they wanted to get it out and ahead of it. They brought on the rules guy again, and they went through the whole process. He didn't break any rules, right? Officially, right? Was there some questionable things that happened? Yes. Could he have pushed his thumb down, maybe, on the ball to imprint and make it embedded? Possibly, maybe. I. I it's hard to see from the the video camera coverage. There's four but, inches of rough there, right? Correct. There's four inches of rough. They they got an abundance of amount of rain i believe it was the four inches or yeah, five inches right over in before. two days yeah almost no ball is gonna plug after it bounces no but you're right nobody could see when he put his hand down there could he have pressed his thumb and rolled the ball ah yeah he could have and why did he pick the ball up and palm it to clean off any mud that was on there i don't know but you're right the bottom line is there's no penalty for doing what he did. And, and you know what? I think the onus has got to be on his playing partners. And the fact that half these guys don't even know the bloody rules, that's got to be, you know, it, it happens all the time. And, and, and look, Rory had a similar situation, I believe, on Sunday. And, and they never no, even talked. Saturday. Or Saturday, Saturday yeah. Saturday. And they never even talked about it. Yep. Um, 
Patrick Reid is is has been known for these types of things, and he is shady, and clearly he's got ice in his veins because it, it it certainly doesn't bother him. He's got no conscience, but I didn't see anything um, wrong with with that outcome. Um, listen, if if that's not televised, uh, we would have this would never even be on. No, it, you're right for sure. It and the hard part is is that. He's got to know better. He should. He's, he's got to know his reputation. He's got to just take everything down to the dotted line, cross his eyes, or dot his eyes, cross his T's, and make sure that that's not even a question on any single ruling that he has. My biggest beef, and that's that's my beef with Patrick Reed, is just the the carelessness and just the maybe the lack of of awareness of what your reputation is and who you, who people think you are out on tour. But my biggest point is, and you touched on it, is the playing partners. I grew up in, in with tournament golf from from a young age, yeah, we both eleven did, years, yeah. eleven years old, and so did you. It, that's that's not the tournament golf that I know and that I grew up on, and the way I was taught. His playing partners wanted absolutely nothing to do with him, and I get it; they may not like the man, but come on, yep. you're thirty yards over there, and the guys the guys getting a ruling. You can either take, say, a, take a wander over that's there. That's right. You like, can either say you're, we need to protect the field, or we want to help. There's two ways. Instead, they didn't either. But they didn't protect they the field, on the green doing and they nothing. didn't help. Yeah, it, it's it, it. I don't know. I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense to me. You know what else I heard too um, from one of our uh, our friends of the show uh, and, and one of our sponsors. Uh, he's actually our rep, um, and Mr. Glasby. And I would have been furious on this. There were some betting um, sites that actually refunded the bets for Patrick Reed, and I think that's asinine. Listen, a win's a win. Like. Give me a break. I would have been furious if I didn't get to cash out my cha-ching. Oh, for sure. So, you know what? I mean, and that's just clearly just because of his reputation alone. And, and it, it, it's not a shame because he deserves everything where he's going. But, hey, f- fix it then. Fix the rule. Yeah, fix the boys got to buck up on tour here and not speak up when it's when these things happen. They've got to. Oh, the broadcasters gotta, ripped them apart. Cost us. They were terrible. they got to close, close the doors, get Reed in there, figure it out. Make him more aware. Let the, the tour guys know that, hey, we need you a part of these rulings as well to help clear up some of this stuff, and let's move on. Because yep. that's not what we want to be talking about yep. week in, week out here on the PGA Tour. No, for sure. Well, let's get to this week's, this week's tournament and this week's picks. Waste management. This is usually a real fun golf tournament. Kind of preludes the Super Bowl on, on Sunday. Yeah. Uh, they got the big 16th hole. Um, it's just not going to be the same this year by the sounds of it. It's not. And, and you know, you, we talked about this off air. Um, do you, it doesn't sound like they are, but wouldn't it be cool if they were going to do something in that little, uh, on the par three and it being that big stadium. I mean, you're used to having, I think it's 20,000 plus just alone in that little, in that little, um, on that hole. Are they going to do anything? Are they going to have anybody at all there? Or is it just going to be, yep. Blah, blah, quietness. Nope. They're going to open air, open air stands. Uh, one level, so I know they were up to like three or four levels over the last couple of years. Okay, and when they were expanding the the crowd, and they were like you said, they're up to twenty one thousand on the whole, and, yeah, and two hundred and ten thousand people uh, at the event because so, that's a permanent structure there now. Correct. Yeah. So they are going to uh, they are going to just go one level. Yep. Um, and I think they're going to have a total of five thousand fans on the property. Period. I couldn't find anything on. How many are going to be at that hole? Okay, um, it's going to be socially distanced. The whole works, so there'll be a little bit. It'll be 
it'll be what it is, I guess. It's a fun tournament regardless. I'm yep. looking forward to it for sure. So, well, you had the winner. You had uh, you had Patrick uh, Reed. Uh, Ella, we'll call it. Just leave it at that. Um, we said we didn't endorse him, folks, but that doesn't mean we can't bet on him. <laughs> so right. you had him. You start us off um, whichever way head, you want to go. Not with your heart. Folks. Head with your heart, buddy, all day long. Okay, so uh, I'll start out from the bottom and we'll move to the top. So we'll start with our dark horse. I've been having some somewhat good form with my dark horses with Leishman and John Ha and, and Putnam um, over the last three weeks here. And there's a couple different options here, but I settled on Ben On. Uh, 73 to 1 for the outright win, 19 to 1 on an each way uh, pick. 2018, he was tied 23rd. 2019, he was tied 20th. And 2020, he was T9 at this event, folks. Nice. Not bad results from a dark horse at 73 to 1. He's showing okay form, um, so not a bad option. Another good option with, with an extreme dark horse at 150 to 1. Uh, 40 to 1 on the each way bet, but it's, so it's just all about his back. He's had some good form at this event, uh, T26 and 18, T20, 19, and 40th and 20, but I'm worried about his back, and that's why I didn't take him. And that's Mr. Green Glove himself. Oh, yeah. Charlie Hoffman. Charles. Charles Hoffman. So that's another option, folks, if you're looking for the extreme dark horse and looking for a, a little five unit bet to pay you well over seven fifty. Good research, sir. Good research, sir. My rock steady pick of the week. I had to change it uh, just because I just didn't like the odds, and I did. I wanted to provide good value for our listeners here. So I'm going with Hideki Matsuyama. Um, really solid. He's won here in 2017. He's T15, T16 in uh, 2019 and 2020. He's 23 to one on the outright win, seven to one on the each way. Hideki Matsuyama is my rock steady pick of the week. He'll be inside that top 20 guaranteed, folks. And my big gun returned from uh, a little bit of a break and a publicity uh, nightmare himself uh, 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 yeah. <laughs> a few weeks ago. We didn't have the opportunity to talk about it just because of the, the timing of, of when it happened in, in our podcast. So, I'm kind of glad we didn't because yeah. I might say the wrong thing. Um, my big gun is Mr. JT, not Justin Timberlake, folks. That is Justin Thomas, tied 17th in 2018, third outright in 2019, and tied third in 2020, 9-1 on the outright win. He's the big gun of the week here at the Waste Management Open. Second favorite. I like your picks. I like your picks. I'm going to start right from the top, um, and I'm going to go with a little Team Callaway. He had a T2 last week, and that's Xander Shoffley. His form is so on point right now, um, and he's had some mild success in uh, at this event. He's been inside the tw- top 20 each of the three times that he's played here. So I'm going with Xander Shoffley. I think he's uh, he's right in form here, and this is the type of tournament where I think he can win. I love my next two picks. Value is key. Uh, this guy's 37-1. to 1. He is the hottest guy on tour right now next to John Rahm, and that's Ryan Palmer. Yep. Okay? He comes and goes sometimes on the tour, but right now he's definitely coming. And I don't think with the crowd or no crowd, I think, I don't know if there'll be a, a huge impact or not, but... His last four starts, he's had uh, f- the top. He's been in the top five three times. So either he's going to win here or he's going to fade away again, and we won't hear from him the rest of the season. But I love him at thirty-seven to one. And uh, my dark horse, I think this is the first time. Uh, I think maybe I've done this once, but I- I'm taking a Canadian, and that's uh, Adam Hadwin, eighty-two to one. Since he's been on the tour, he has not missed this stop. He loves playing here. Um, the crowd may be a factor with him not having it because he loves this, that style, you know, being an old hockey guy. Um, but he's played every year 
uh, as I said, he's had a couple of top 20s uh, since that he's returned. And he had a T18 at Torrey Pines. So I really love him, 82-1. to 1. I'm, I'm excited about it. And I think that uh, we've got great picks this week. Yeah, I like the Hadwin pick. I really like that Hadwin pick. I had him on there. I originally actually had him on as my rock steady pick. And then I thought I could have squeezed away with a little dark horse with him as well. And he's shown good form in that tournament. Good call there, Dutch, on that one. All right. Well, before we get our listeners off the break and we, and we bring back in our guests and, and fire right into our Super Bowl preview, uh, lots of a few things to talk about here in the NFL. Uh, and give a, a little taste of the NFL and a, a little dip before we get into uh, that Super Bowl. Yeah, he wanted to talk about the uh, the, the little, coaching carousel. Yeah, we've got the coaching complete, and um, man, I felt bad for uh, at the Eagles press conference. <laughs> you, you obviously saw it. We wanted to talk about it. I mean, you got to give him a break. You know, he gets introduced, and, and I'll let you explain it. But uh, you know, Jeff Laurier and uh, and Howie Roseman, they they just disappeared and and just hung him out to dry. Um, and that's, uh, you know, of course, we're talking about the new Philadelphia Eagles coach. And he just struggled all the way through. They, they grilled him on, uh, on the quarterbacks, and, and it was just a, it was a, it was a tough one to watch. Yeah, it was. And it, you know what? My point to it is, is, is cut the guy a little bit of a break. You know what I mean? Have we, have we not all been in a, at a public speaking event where we, we know what we want to say in our mind, and we have it prepped on the on a you know a sheet of paper, and it just doesn't come out right. the way that we we thought it was going to come out. Like our first podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I right. right. try our first five podcasts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, you know what I mean. Like we, we, you know what you want to say, and you oh this is going to be great, and it just doesn't come out. Cut the guy a break. The only thing I didn't like from Nick Sirianni in that press conference was. The thing about the quarterbacks and saying that, you know, it hasn't even crossed my mind and, and this and that. Like, you're going to be the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles and, and you're interviewing for this job and you're down to the, the second and third interview and, and you know you're close for it. And you've never talked about the quarterbacks. Of course. Quarterbacks you've talked about it. Of course so, why, so, why lie? Why not just say, hey, um, you know, a, a quarterbacks is going to be like all the positions on in a football team. I'll, I'll be evaluating the quarterbacks and keeping you guys updated of, uh, of what's to come. That's the only thing that I that I didn't like. But yeah, you know what? It's it's nice to see the coaching carousel finish, and um, you know, for the diehard NFL fans, they see that the Senior Bowl was this week. Yep. Goes back to that whole point of of, and and I've had this conversation with with a couple of listeners off air as well. Is that's why they need to get these things tied up and done, and and whether that needs to be pushed back and, and we can you know, yeah we can argue that, that all day long yeah. we're not going to reopen that yeah. but yeah. but there's teams like like the Houston Texans just hired their coach while that event is happening yeah you've got scouts down there scouting players here that they don't even know what systems they're running right you know they don't know if they're going to be in a four three defense what offensive system so it's all just got to get pushed back and that's the bottom line we talked about it I mean there is such thing as a break and the world just doesn't around uh, revolve around work 24 7 um, 365 days of the year and that's just the bottom line it is what it is you know th- there was another big huge thing that that happened obviously this past week and that was Late a, Saturday night right and that you know and finally please can we just stop talking about Aaron Rodgers they just finally came out and said he's not going anywhere and most likely Sean Watson's not going anywhere, although that, that one remains to be seen, but a massive trade. And that is Stafford, Matthew, Pad, Stafford going to the Los Angeles Rams. They traded off Goff. Two first rounds, a third round pick, if I believe. Correct me That's if I'm correct. wrong. That is correct. Um, 
massive win for for Detroit, although they're going to screw it up because they just always screw it up in Detroit. Sorry, but it's just going to be the case. Um, and I also think it's a win for, for the Rams. And this is put up or shut up time for, for Matthew Stafford. The guy's been a, a, a journeyman there. No, sorry, not a journeyman. That's the wrong word. But he's been a, a warrior there. He's in... in in all the seasons that he's been there, he's literally played pretty much every game. Uh, hurt, broken this, broken that, and he continues to come out. Um, he's finally got a team to play with. And I say a team because I was arguing off air with one of my buddies, Trevor, about, oh, is Stafford good enough or not? And, oh, he was only good because of Calvin Johnson. Um, well, yeah, he was great because of Calvin Johnson, and he put up his best numbers with Calvin Johnson, but they still didn't have a defense. They've never, ever had a top 15 defense. And right now, the Los Angeles Rams are a, a bona fide top five defense. They've got two of the best defensive players in all of football, and they're in a win-now situation. Um, is this going to hurt them down the road? Whew, I think so. I mean, they've just given away. They don't have a first-round draft pick, I think, until 2024. So it'd be interesting to see. What do you think of the trade? Listen, for anybody that tells you that Matthew Stafford ain't great, they need to just go look at what Matthew Stafford's done in his career. Okay, the guy's missed eight games in 10 years. You want to know why he missed those eight games? He had a fractured back, and he still wanted to play. And the Detroit Lions had to shut him down. Okay? Try, you're talking about a defense, Dutch? A defense? Give me a running game. Give me anybody. Give me 50-year-old Barry Sanders, folks. Because Matthew Stafford has not had a running game. You want to talk about offense? What's the offensive ball? Try an offensive coordinator. Daryl Bevel. That guy might be on the coach of every team by the time his career is done. Yep. He's a one-and-done, two-and-done coach because he can't run an efficient NFL offense. So you know what? It's nice that he Stafford gets to go to a place where he's got a great offensive mind, whether you like the system or not. To me, there's a reason why Sean McVay is a head coach in this league, and there's a reason why Sean McVay ran that offense that type of offense, what he did. If you look at what he does, he was involved in Washington with Robert Griffin III. He he looks at the player and tries to cater to their strength, right? That's what, what McVay does. I think we're going to see a lot more of down the field. Oh, I think so, too. I think, I think so, too. we're going to see them try to use Stafford. They've got a good running game in Acres. They've got two decent weapons still. I know Robert Woods is getting a little bit long in the tooth with a lot of mileage, but he can still run routes, folks. And they've got Cooper Cup. Cup. They've got two decent tight ends. The, the biggest part for me, and I said this to you um, off air, was is the salary cap. And this will be a conversation we're going to have throughout the offseason here and on this podcast is what's going to happen with the salary cap and can they keep all these decent pieces, sure, sure. all these offensive It's going to affect pieces. everybody and it's going to affect every team. But I want to go back to, to Stafford and, and, you know, I know he's threw the ball more than most of the, most quarterbacks in, uh, over his career. That's because he's constantly coming from behind. But 38 fourth-quarter comebacks, I mean, that's just remarkable. I think he won't have to come back as much this next coming season. I think he's, they're going to be in a lot of football games, clearly because of their defense, provided, like you said, they can bring all these players back. But it is still going to be the toughest division in football. Uh, we said it last year before all the injuries uh, happened with San Fran, but... You know, San Fran, Arizona, um, you got a couple more years left probably of Russell Wilson. Um, it's going to be a tough division for them. Uh, it doesn't mean that they're going to go all of a sudden go 12-4 and four and, and just, you know, dismantle the NFC and, and be the favorites to win. 
but I like I, I, I like the makeup, and, I, and I'm really, really happy for Stafford. He's finally getting a chance to, to prove himself that, that he is a elite quarterback in this league, contrary to what others do think. So just a quick question for you on that point. Matthew Stafford versus Jimmy Garoppolo, who do you like? Stafford all day long. Matthew Stafford versus Kyler Murray, who do you like? Stafford all day long. And Matthew Stafford versus Russell Wilson, who do you like? Probably Russell. Probably pretty close. Probably though, right? pretty close. Probably Russell Wilson for maybe one more year or two. And you're right. And then, and, and that's with that, with that defense, you gotta love where that's the right. are gonna be. So at. I don't know why people think that. Oh, it's because it's the hapless Detroit Lions, just like it was the hapless Cleveland Browns, just, just like it was the hapless Buffalo Bills for the longest time. Yeah, they're starting to build now. Let's see if Detroit can build. Okay, get get rid of them, but. Good for Stafford. Uh, I'm happy for him. I think he deserves a chance, and he does have a few more years left in him. He's still—I I don't know his exact age, but he's—he's he's definitely got a few more years. At. Thirty-two. There you go. Yeah, and Detroit. You know what? Um, I just want to touch briefly on the Detroit thing. Great haul by Detroit. Great, just a nice, good NFL trade there. Yep. Um, they it's smart by the Rams for taking more uh, value out of what they could have got from other teams. Yep. And the reason why they did that was Detroit had the cap money to take on Goff's contract. Yep. And that's why if we're going to take on this contract, they can blow all the smoke up they want about you know how they like Jared Goff and this and that. But Dan Campbell pretty much came out the next day and pretty much said it. Said, oh, our rebuild doesn't start for another two years. Well, you want to know what happens in two years? Jared Goff's dead money is $0. <laughs> Crazy. Isn't that too a little coincidental? Yep. So he's going to be – Goff will be their quarterback for two more years. But nice to see Detroit make a good, smart move and pick up those extra picks knowing that, hey, we've got the leverage here because they they got to get off of Goff and we've got the cap money to be able to do it. Not all the teams do, especially with this upcoming cap uh, situation looming large. Um, it'll be interesting to see. But great job by Detroit. And I hope they can hit on a couple of these picks and get back. Let's just hopefully they can execute their plan and, and, and do that. It doesn't matter to me in, in that division. Uh, I, I still think that there's a couple other teams. Well, clearly they're still fourth in, in the NFC North. So we'll see. But, um, yeah, yeah, that's it, I guess. Um, where are we at now? We're going to uh, send it off the break. And when we get back, we're going to get right into our Super Bowl preview of Super Bowl 55 here. Starting with some really fun facts before our interviews. It's going to be, uh, we'll just do it in our own little mini version of a rapid fire, but it'll be fun. There we go. And we'll catch you on the flip side. Arrowhead, rocking all that golden red, the banners hung, the boys all got their rings. The last one took us 50 years, but we're loaded up, the gang's all here, and that trophy is staying right here in KC. This ain't no other season, here in Chief's Kingdom. So run it back for the boys from 69, back for the fans on 12th and Vine. Run it back to back and raise it high. We ain't here to attempt the camp, ain't no time for a victory lap. No, we came to run it back.
Broadway know he bought it, and Gronk is bought it, and Mike Evans bought it. Throw it long, we chase it down. And that's Scotty Miller be pulling it down. AB and Cameron Bray, we blow the cannons to celebrate. You don't want no part of Levante. Winfield never miss one play. Big Sue be hitting them off. JPP sack and be picking them off. Coach Bruce got fight in him. Get live before five. Big Devin White hit him. Fournette keep breaking away. Let's bring Levante to Tampa Bay. All right, listeners, welcome back from break. Hope you enjoyed a little segment there from the Ginger and Dutch podcast. And now what we've all been waiting for, the Super Bowl preview. Here we are. We wanted to start it off uh, before we get into the X's and O's and all the big conversations and big guests we got coming on from, from Tampa and Kansas City. Let's get into some fun facts here about the Super Bowl that uh, our listeners may not know. They may hear some on Sunday on the broadcast with Nance and Romo. But um, let's give a little Super Bowl background and some fun facts. Sure, right? and we'll whip through them. Uh, we, you don't even need to comment on mine if you find something funny. I know you've got some goofy ones, so uh, so I kind of kept it on the serious uh, note. Not all of them, but um, let's just start with we know where the Super Bowl is right now. It's the fourth time that Tampa's hosted the Super Bowl. Do you know who's hosted the most? I would – no, I don't know. I would say the state of California – would host the most Super Bowls. And you're incorrect. It's, it's the Miami Dolphins they've hosted, or the Miami, I should say Miami, not Miami Dolphins, but Miami. 14 times they've hosted the, wow. the Super Bowl. And obviously it's because of the, the warm weather in Miami and the party and the, yep. and the life. But it's a terrible stadium. It's one of the worst to get to. It just doesn't make sense to me. But anyways, that's a cool fact. And right on piggyback and right on that fact about location of the Super Bowl and the number of Super Bowls, only 10 states have uh, only hosted Super Bowls, which I'm shocked. You've got 53 states down there the last time I checked. Um, I thought more than 10 would be able to host, but uh, I guess, like you said, they like those warm destinations. Wow. And it's only happened 13 times where the, the, they've played each other in the regular season. This will be the 14th time that they've played, uh, meaning in the regular season and in the Super Bowl. And, you know, the last time was? It was Tom Brady against the New York Giants. And the Giants beat them in the Super Bowl. They beat them twice that year. I don't know if that's a bad homer or not, but anyways, I thought that was kind of cool. Dutch, do you know what the highest scoring Super Bowl game ever is? No. It's got to be a 50-burger, though. Not, no, you're thinking of the Seattle 51-point game uh, against Denver when they spanked them. Nope. San Fran, San Diego Chargers, 49-26 final, 75 total points. This year's over-under Dutch is set at 56.5 or 57, depending on where you got it. It's going to go over that number. Huh. Did you know that these two teams have never faced each other in the Super Bowl? I did not know that. Right? And, in fact, uh, only seven teams have repeated as chance. So, Casey's going for their eighth, uh, which, again, I thought is kind of cool. I, I, I thought there would have been more repeats, but that's only happened seven times. Shocked by that one. How many times has uh, the Super Bowl gone to overtime? Oh, probably three or four times, no? Nope. The only time is the illustrious Patriots comeback against the Atlanta Falcons. Oh, my gosh. Only overtime Super Bowl game. Really? That's the only one? Over, only one. Crazy. Brady has six rings, as we know. He's looking for a seventh. There's one guy. One guy that's got seven rings. Do you know who that would be? It's not Terry Bradshaw. Uh, no, no. no it's, uh, Cleveland Browns. Uh, his name is Otto Graham. Uh, he, it's a bit tricky. He had three NFL Super Bowl rings, and then he has uh, four with the uh, 
I think it was the All-American uh, AAFC uh, ring. But anyways, that's seven. So he would uh, tie for all-time with rings if uh, if he pulls off the upset, as they call go. it. Yep. I did not know that. Yeah. First time in 37 years, Budweiser will not have a... Hey, the horses! What? The horses are gone. Pepsi doesn't have an end, although they are sponsoring the halftime show. Yes. the weekend. But, uh, yeah, Budweiser will not be involved with the telecast. Wow. Wow. Back to Brady. Ninth appearance. He's never, uh, sorry, this will be his 10th appearance. In in nine appearances, he's never won or lost by less than 10 points. In fact, n- seven of those nine games were within a touchdown. So I'm guaranteeing it's a touchdown game. This is going to be a close game. It's going to come down to the wire. Now I'm going to talk about the cash, Dutch. Cash, cash. Okay. First time ever, cash will not be accepted on site at the Super Bowl. Wow. Okay. Average annual ticket. Right now on the resale market is going for thirteen thousand five hundred. <laughs> last, last year was five thousand five hundred. Wow, those are U.S. dollars, folks. The bonus checks for the teams, winning team gets one hundred twenty-four thousand dollars, and the losing team gets sixty-two thousand dollars. Every single player. Very cool. And now stay with me here. More about the cash. This is American dollars cash, folks. They did a survey. Okay, fifty-two percent of Americans who did this survey in two thousand twenty-one said they would give up every single one of their vacation days for their team to win the Super Bowl. Ridiculous. 31% of Americans said they would give up their annual bonus check for their team to win the Super Bowl. It gets better. Stay with me, Dutch. 14% of Americans, folks, said that they would give every last penny of their life savings for their team to win. <laughs> Who are they polling and how many people did they poll? 3% said they would give up their 401k, which is their entire retirement fund, for their team to win the Super Bowl. Dutch, what would you give up for your Minnesota Vikings to win the Super Bowl? Only in America. There's not a lot of things that I would give up. Maybe, uh, uh, no, I, I don't know. I, you put me on the spot there. Would you give up body parts, Dutch? No, and nor would I give up playing uh, sports or, or going to sporting events. No, uh, life is not that important. Would, would I you give up a family member? No. <laughs> no, 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 I'm not putting my dog down, although my wife thinks I'm doing it every day. But, um, okay, I got two more for you here. I got, I got two more. Um, I'm out. Okay, I got two more, and we'll end it. I got one serious one, or, or and then I got one that I thought was just blew me away. Um, and this is uh, how many quarterbacks – at the age of 40, have played in the Super Bowl. I I couldn't believe it. How many quarterbacks? Well, I couldn't at, believe it, but it was... At the age of 40, have yeah. played in the Super Bowl. Uh, and Breeze was younger. Uh, I would say... Uh, two. Fran Tarkenton, I think, has got to be in there. And somebody else. Wow. Well, somebody else. Two. Here we go again. It's Tom Brady and Tom oh, Brady only. Got the theme. <laughs> He's, he's the only one. He's and the he's only one. It. This is his third. This is his third Super Bowl third since time. his age of forty. So unbelievable. Uh, clearly, we know where that goes. The last one I want to say is 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 the halftime show. We've talked about this before. The weekend Canadian, who I'm obviously just learning that a few weeks ago that I found out he was Canadian. But um, clearly, I'm not up to speed on my uh, on my musicians. But normally, the halftime show is pro bono. Uh, they do it on their own accord, uh, and they get their costs paid for for production etc etc and they put up other people and that's what it is he's the weekend has taken seven million of his own dollars 
to put into the Super Bowl. And I also heard something, which I don't know, we'll have to look it up because this one would be a little bit weirdest. Apparently, the halftime show is going to be 24 minutes long, which is longer than it's ever been, which I don't understand how they would do that because you would think that locker room time, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, but exactly. apparently, it's going to be 24 minutes long, and the cinematography is going to be unreal, nothing like we've ever seen it before. So if you're only going to watch, which some people do, just the halftime show, check it out. It's going to be out of this world if a guy's spending $7 million of his own dollars. Grandpa Brady's going to need to be a, have a bed in the locker room. He could take a nap. Or either that or he's going to have a few Red Bulls or something like that just fire to get fired back up. Uh, but. He's not putting any Red Bull in that body. That's a shrine for sure. All right. Well, let's, let's get into our real Super Bowl preview here. Um, and let's kick it off. We've, we've kind of, we're going to break it down with, you know, looking at the offenses and defenses of both teams. So let's start out by talking about the uh, defending Super Bowl champs, the Kansas City Chiefs. Well, let's, uh, let's bring on some help here. We've got... Uh, Chiefs diehard fan, deputy editor of the Arrowhead Report with Sports Illustrated Now, host of, and I love the name, Roughing the Kicker podcast, Mr. Tucker D. Franklin. Franklin, Tucker, thanks for coming on and joining us. Hey, not a problem. I'm glad you guys reached out. Uh, I'm, I'm glad to help as always, and I always love to talk about the Chiefs. Good stuff here. I got I to ask you, because you know what? Everybody loves when a kicker gets roughed up a little bit. It's one of my favorite <laughs> plays in the game. How'd you guys come up with that name? I, I love the podcast name. Uh, give us a little uh, background on it. Yeah, you know, well, I always think kickers and like punters underrepresented in football. I think that they're sometimes, you know, um, pushed under the rug. They're cast aside, kind of like the lepers of, of the football society, if you will. Uh, maybe not that dramatic, but um, I think that so, <laughs> recognizing the kickers and the punters is obviously something that I like to do. And Joshua Briscoe, who's our executive producer, actually came up with the name oh, about a couple of years ago. And he, he said that roughing the kicker has always been one of those phrases and one of those penalties that's so interesting because it seems vulgar, right? Roughing the kicker is a very, very dirty, very vulgar type of action in football. So uh, that's kind of how we went with with this name because that's just kind of how we are. I mean, as a podcast, we're, we like to talk about football. I like to talk about the X's and O's, serious stuff. But we also just kind of like to kick it back, relax, and and talk about other things that's going on too. So uh, you can't be serious all the time, or you're gonna, you know, give yourself a stroke yeah. or something. Yeah, we love it. That's uh, similar to us, Tucker. We got five days to go before the big game, and this is two years in a row for you. Does does the excitement get old, or is this gonna be repeat? It sounds like this is gonna be um, another couple years after this, by the sounds of it. Um, how's the excitement down there? We sure hope it's going to be a couple of years after. That's kind of what we're all praying for here in Kansas City. But, man, it's a, I think it might be bigger than, than last year. I know last year was a big relief to get to the game, right? So the Chiefs have been waiting 50 years to get to the Super Bowl, and they finally did it. So I think that in itself was a relief. But now it's like, okay, they made it to the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl is what we've been waiting for all year. Now they're winning it. They anticipate winning the Super Bowl, which is a very different change of pace than how it was uh, a year ago. Uh, they just were happy to be here, and if they wanted to be an extra cherry on top. But now they expect to be here. 
They expect to win it, and they expect to have several more to come. And I think that you've seen that attitude shift in Kansas City, and it's great. It's just great to be around it. The atmosphere is is incredible. Even, you know, in these pandemic times where you've got limited capacity places, people still want to go out and watch the Chiefs. People still want to be with other Chiefs fans as much as they can be. And and I know Quentin Lucas, the mayor here in Kansas City, has already uh, started to make plans of socially distant celebrations if the Chiefs win it, maybe putting the, the carriage out in front of the horse a little bit there. But um, I think it's it's really a great time to live in Kansas City. Yeah, you know what? And, and you know, with uh, with me being a, a diehard Bills fan and, and Dutch as well, you know, they haven't they earned it? You know, you talk about mm. being being so happy to make the Super Bowl last year and, and you look at some of the some of the, the regressions that happened over the year, you know, losing to the Broncos in 98 and the no punt game in 2003 and the 38-10 the def, um, defeat. And, I, and I'm not trying to rub it in on you here, Tucker, yeah. but, you know, they've earned it and they've earned that right to uh, – to celebrate it and to appreciate it. Um, are the fans, what's the, what's the mood of the fans? Are they appreciative or is it now just an expectation that they're going to, you know, be in this game for, you know, the next four or five years to come? It's funny because I mean, all those games that you mentioned, obviously bring back, you know, I wouldn't say fond memories, but they bring back memories. Um, one of the ones that come to my mind about the plight of the chiefs is the game where the Pittsburgh Steelers kicked all field goals and they beat the chiefs. Um, and that was when they had Le'Veon Bell, you know, Big Ben, uh, Antonio Brown, who we're going to be seeing in the, in the Super Bowl this year. And, and how funny is it out of those two, out of that team, that Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell are going to be the ones to hold up a Super Bowl trophy? Um, I just think that that's kind of ironic in a sense. But back to your question, I think that there's a there's a section of fans that that do expect it now. There's a section of fans that are like, okay. We're over the old plight of Chiefs fans, and we're ready to move on. Patrick Mahomes has washed us away with his healing waters, and we are ready to see the light of winning multiple Super Bowl titles, and we are not scared anymore. And there are still some Chiefs fans, I think I would kind of consider myself in this group too, of whenever the Chiefs get a lead in a playoff game, you think, oh no, everything's about to go wrong, because we're so used to that. It's kind of hard. I know Patrick Mahomes is (laughs) – as it's funny to say, because – Ever since Patrick Mahomes has been the starting quarterback of this Kansas City Chiefs team, he's gone to the AFC Championship game. That's the bare minimum that Patrick Mahomes has given the Kansas City Chiefs is the AFC Championship game. There was years when Alex Smith and Elvis Gerbach and you know Kyle Orton as the quarterback, you would have killed to be in the AFC Championship that's game. Right. And now you're looking at it, and that's the bare minimum for Patrick Mahomes. And I think that there are a lot of Chiefs fans that – are turning the page on the old plight. And there's still some like me that every now and again, you'll have maybe, I don't know, I don't want to be too dramatic and call it PTSD, but you have a little bit of, of uh, some memories come up when, you know, the Chiefs Chiefs are up late and you say, oh no, something's going to happen. Drew Reeves is going to bat a ball and Marcus Mariota is going to catch it and run it in for a touchdown. Something like that's going to happen. You just have a feeling, but nothing's happened like that with Patrick Mahomes. And I think it's, it's a time for Kansas City to get over that, I think. Uh, yeah, they're real close to getting over it. They've just got that big, uh, the biggest hurdle of all, as we all know, and that's uh, uh, the GOAT, as we all know it. And I, I want to touch back, you know, I want to get into a little bit of X's and O's, but I want to touch back, Tucker, to the game they played late November when uh, Mahomes pretty much, uh, and Hill, they torched the Tampa Bay Bucks. Mm-hmm. He threw for 460 plus, and that was the game where Hill had over 260 something yards in, uh, in uh, receiving yards. That's not going to happen this game. We know it. Um, how do you see Tampa 
um, lining up? How, what, what kind of what kind of changes do you think they're going to make with with all the weapons that Casey's got? This is the big question, right? Because we know Charlton Davis got absolutely torched last time out because they decided to play man on Tyreek Hill for some reason. I don't know what film they were watching to decide to play man on Tyreek Hill. Um, I know that there's reports that the Buccaneers want to get physical with Tyreek Hill at the line of scrimmage. Okay, fine. Um, you can try that. Let's see Good if luck. that works. Yeah, he'll, you can try to get physical with him, but he's going to be by you before you punch him. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that that's going to be tough for them to do. And you saw the Bills, you know, you guys are Bills fans. So you saw them play that too deep soft zone, which I think is probably the best defense you can play against the Chiefs. It really is. Uh, and I think that you, if you man up, you're going to get beat by either Kelsey, by Sammy Watkins, who is expected to play in this game with his calf injury now. You're going to get beat by Clyde Edwards-Alaire out of the backfield or Le'Veon Bell out of the backfield or, you know, a multitude of weapons the Chiefs have that can beat you man on man. So you can't go. You can't you can't man up. And that means you really can't blitz. They have done some several zone blitzes that kind of confused Patrick Mahomes early this season. But he's really been able to find his own against zone blitzes. That was kind of uh, one of the things that coaches were saying, like, oh, zone blitz him. OK, yeah, that took one quarter out of him. Uh, you got you got a good quarter where you held Patrick Mahomes in check. But then he figured out your zone blitz and your toast. Um, so you can't blitz Patrick Mahomes. So running zone is probably the only option. But then when you run zone, you're going to have Sammy Watkins find the soft spots in the middle. You're going to have, you know, Travis Kelsey have the game that he had last week against the Buffalo Bills. And he's going to be probably a big contributor in this game, I would imagine. But it's going to be tough, too, with uh, how the offensive line shapes out. There's probably going to be a lot of RPOs, a lot of quick passes. But the way that Tampa Bay plays them, I think, is going to be something something I'm very interested to see because they talked about press man – on the outside with safeties helping over the top, which works to an extent. Uh, I mean, you can't you can't play that game the whole game, I don't think. I don't think you can cover Tyreek Hill like that for 60 minutes. Yeah, and I, I don't think you can either, and, and you, it just brings me to the next point. Listen, the Bucs have won seven in a row. They've had seven takeaways this postseason, and, and they're they're on a tear. And, and back to that game again, they did get to Mahomes. Um, eight times they sacked them twice um i think they recorded 24 pressures you know with fisher out um can reamers and company can they do enough job i i i get what you're saying with a ton of rpos coming out but um the key is they're gonna have to knock mahomes around in order to keep it there and and they just look to me right now that they're poised to uh to to shock everybody with um with what they've been doing for the last seven weeks I think that's very possible. I think this defensive line is, is no slouch, right? I mean, they've got some good names on there. Jason Pierre-Paul, Shaq Barrett, Vita Vea, um, Dindamakan Sue. I mean, they're like the 2015 Pro Bowlers right there. Um, they, they've yep. been playing very well as of late, too, as you mentioned. I think that they really got after Aaron Rodgers, too. That's what disrupted them, and I think that's really what helped them win that Five game sacks. to get to the Super Bowl. And, you know, they were out without uh, Bakhtiari, their best left tackle. So we could see a very similar situation going on. But I think that Andy Reid and Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes can all negate those struggles. I think that that they will come up with something that said, okay, yeah, we probably can't contain Shaq Barrett and Jason Pierre-Paul. That's probably a fact with our second string tackle and who is our normal starting right guard is playing right tackle now. So we're probably not going to be able to stop those guys, right? We're probably not going to have deep drops. We're not going to have um, a bunch of long developing routes. So they'll figure stuff out. I have no doubt that Andy Reid on a bye week, no, nonetheless, is going to be able to figure something out to get this offense going, but it will be a problem. 
Um, I watched last week, last year's Super Bowl, I should say, uh, against the 49ers, and, and Nick Bosa lived in the backfield. Um, so this is nothing new for the Chiefs um, going up against a good defensive line in the Super Bowl. I, I think they'll be ready for it. Yeah, and I think you nailed on a good point there, Tucker, and the fact that, you know, you can you can use some of the speed and, and some of the aggressiveness against the Bucs, and, and yeah. nobody does it better than, than Andy Reid with – with some of the misdirection and, and so much of the motion and, and making sure that their eyes are in the right spot and, and they're, they're taking, you know, you're challenging that on, on these defenders, you know, am I, are my eyes in the right spot? Am I taking the right steps? Because, you know, you take one or two of the wrong steps and Hill and Kelsey are by you and it's by you for a big play. Mm-hmm. And I think they're going to challenge that all game long. Another thing is, too, is Patrick Mahomes is one of the best quarterbacks when it comes to getting other guys to jump off sides. So you have to respect that. And you can't either be going with your, pinning your ears back and going downhill every time. So they're either going to jump off sides, right, or they're going to be a little slow. Um, so I think that that's going to be another thing. You're going to see Patrick Mahomes mixing a lot of hard counts to try to keep these guy, guys on the front four honest. Who's, um, who do you have, Tucker? You, you know, you've been th- with this team for a while now, and, and there's so much conversation, and, and Dutch and I have had conversations on air and off air about it. Who, who's the MVP of this team? Is it Mahomes? Is it Hill? Is it Kelsey? Or is it even Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy? That's a good conversation to have. I mean, I think it's hard to, to not give it to Patrick Mahomes, right? Uh, I know it's easy to say, oh, well, Patrick Mahomes has all these pieces. But these pieces were, you know, we're still doing good things when, when Alex Smith was around. So you can't really say that Patrick Mahomes is a product of his his pieces, right? I know that sometimes is a conversation that gets tossed out there is, yep. is Patrick Mahomes is only as good as Tyree Kill and, and Travis Kelsey are. But Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey both just had career years this year. Um, Alex, he was They weren't doing that with Alex Smith. So I, I think it goes hand in hand. You know, Patrick Mahomes makes Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey better. Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill make Patrick Mahomes better. But I think without Patrick Mahomes, none of this is possible. You saw what they did with Alex Smith. They couldn't make it to the championship game. And with Patrick Mahomes, they've only made it to the championship game. So I think Patrick Mahomes de facto has to be your MVP in that sense of, uh, in that sense of the conversation. Tucker, do you have an X factor in this game? Or, or do you just think if the Chiefs execute, execute their offense that, that this – you know, they should be able to take care of business and win their second straight Super Bowl? I think it's going to come down to the defense, the Chiefs' defense. A lot of people are sleeping on them, and I don't understand why. Um, I think the Chiefs' defense is better than the Packers' defense was, uh, or is, I should say. And the secondary has really come around, and they were really able to hold uh, Tampa Bay in check the first time around. Tom Brady threw three interceptions against the Packers, and I'll tell you, if he throws three interceptions, this game will be over quick. Um, I don't think that if you give Patrick Mahomes more than one extra opportunity with the football, you're going to regret it. And I know it's going to come down to, you know, what the offensive line does. I think that that's probably the biggest storyline outside of Patrick Mahomes and outside of the Tom Brady, the GOAT matchup, obviously. That's the big conversation. But I think the matchup between the Bucks defensive line and the Chiefs offensive line is going to be the big one. And I, I really look for Legereus Sneed, uh, the defensive back for – the rookie defensive back, I should say, uh, for the Chiefs. He's been playing extremely well. He's been getting after it, and, and I really like what he has to show. He's almost like a, a mini Tyron Matthew. His versatility on the defense is something that – when you have two guys that play like Tyron Matthew does, I think that's very dangerous. He likes to blitz from the outside. Spags has really been dialing up the blitzes here lately. 
um, for the Chiefs with Tyre Matthew and both uh, Legereus Sneed. So I'm I'm excited to see how this defense really attacks Tom Brady. And don't forget, Steve Spagnuolo is 2-0 against Tom Brady in Super Bowls. He's the defensive coordinator for both those giant Super Bowl wins. So um, I'm feeling pretty good uh, for the Chiefs, in all, in all honesty. And there are some times where I can convince myself that, that the Bucks are going to win. And there are other times where I can convince myself that this game is not even going to be close. <laughs> I love I love that talking about Spagnola and, and with uh, the Giants. That's a that's a great thing for our listeners. Uh, I was actually about to chat about that with some of our interesting facts that we were going to throw out later. So that's kind of cool point. And you're right; they can't get down uh, like they did last time. They were down seventeen nothing. If that happens, it's uh, it's going to be lights out. But I think it'll be a lot of jockeying for position. The first uh, the first quarter traditionally these last eight or nine years they've been low scoring first quarters, just trying to figure out each other and. Uh, and we'll see, uh, you know, turn- turnovers is always a, a discussion, right? Whoever uh, turns mm-hmm. the ball over is going to be in deep trouble here for sure. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think that this game is – I think we're going to get treated with a very good Super Bowl. I think it's what we deserve for 2020, right? We've been through a lot. So we, we deserve an, an excellent Super Bowl. Couldn't agree more. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, if, if Tom Brady can uncover the disguise of this Chiefs, Chiefs defense. They do such a good job of, of disguising what they're going to do. And, and we saw, you know, what happened to Josh Allen with that, trying to, you know, play cat and mouse at the line of scrimmage and, and do all that stuff. It'll be interesting to see whether Brady wants to try to do that or if he's just going to line up and, and run the play that's called. Yeah, I think that the Chiefs Chiefs will probably try to disguise things just because it make it a little bit harder. But, you know, Brady's a veteran guy. He's been around since, you know, I've been alive. So uh, a little bit shorter, I guess. Um he was drafted in what a one, so yeah, it's been he's he's a few years shorter than I am in his playing career, but um, he's been around he's been around the block and he knows what to do. He's seen a lot of football, and I think what's really good for this Tampa Bay team is Bruce Arians is letting him do him. Um, I think that letting Tom Brady, you know, kind of essentially coach at the same time, um, having full control of the offense is the best possible way to go about this whole Tom Brady experiment in Tampa Bay. And it's obviously worked out because they're in the Super Bowl. I mean, you can't say that they're a bad team. I always thought they were a little streaky. I'm a little surprised that they made it to the Super Bowl. I always thought the Packers, I still do think the Packers are the better team roster makeup wise, probably. And, you know, talent wise, but Hey, you know, you got to get hot at the right time. That's kind of what it is about football. You got to get hot and and they did. And they, they got to the Super Bowl and, and we'll see what happens. If the Chiefs take care of business, do we? Uh, do you have a dark horse Super Bowl MVP that you can throw out there? Oh, if the Chiefs don't take care of business, is what you're no, saying? No, if they do, if they do, oh, if they if do. They take okay, care, yeah, they take care of business. Do we? Uh, do you got yourself a dark horse besides obviously, you know, your Hill, your Kelsey, your Mahomes? Uh, do you see anybody else uh, possibly jumping in there? Because that's a cool little stat, actually. Before you give us your dark horse, there, Tucker. Only yeah, go ahead. Once, only once in Super Bowl history has an MVP come from a losing team. And I think it was in the 60s. I'd have to look it up again. I was looking at it last night. Uh, I think the, the Cowboys or something like that in the, yeah. the 70s and, or something and that's like that. Not, and that's not going to happen. It's, it's no. going to come from the, from the team. But I'm just curious if you've got anybody in mind, whether it's a you know, huge special teams or if you've got somebody like a Watkins or, or anybody popping up in your, in your brain there. Man, it's hard. I mean – I would love to see it. Like last year, I, I would have loved to see the MVP go to Damian Williams. Damian Williams had a great game. Well deserved. Um, yeah. yeah, it would have it would have been well deserved. Well, looks like we lost him there. Yeah. No problem. Well, let's just kick off where uh, 
where uh, Tucker left off there in, in the conversation. And let's start with our uh, Super Bowl breakdown. Sure. Um, we can start right off with the Bucks, with the Bucks offense. What do you? Uh, what are your thoughts there with uh, with the Bucks offense? Listen, if Godwin and Evans can hang on to the ball, throw this out to you. Godwin's had six drops this playoffs. You know, the entire season he's only had one drop. Okay, and that's the truth. Evans dropped a couple of balls. Fournette, we're, we got to make sure we don't have any butterfingers here, so we've got to be careful with that. I think that it's just a matter of execution. I think it's a matter of if Tom Brady doesn't chuck the ball, you know, all over the place, does what he's supposed to do. The offensive line held up immaculately this past week against the Packers. There's no doubt in my mind that, that this game isn't going to come down to probably the final drive of the game. And I think that, well, you're going to get my prediction uh, at the end of this. Yeah, there's a there's a couple things. I kind of had two two points when when breaking down the matchup for for the the Bucks side of things, looking at the Bucks offense and the Chiefs defense. The first one for the Bucks offense, I'm looking at keep pounding the rock. Everybody wants to see Brady throw the ball. They want to see this sexy matchup. But listen, they've won three games on the road. Leonard Fournette, 23 touches for 132 and a touchdown versus Washington. 22 touches, 107, and a touchdown versus the Saints, and 17 touches for 74. So not as productive, but still got in the end zone versus the Packers. No doubt they're gonna, no doubt they're gonna run and keep doing it. And I know this whole thing about slowing the game down, but Brady's gonna get his. You know that that's gonna happen, right? The points are gonna be scored in this game. Yeah, I, I just look at the the Chiefs D. You know, they they it's a well known fact now with the playoffs, and everybody's you know had time to go back and look at uh, at some of the, um, you know, statistics and the trends and all that stuff over the course of the season. There's 64% snaps and dime. We know that's a little bit confusing because they like to play three and four safeties at a time. I get it. But you've got to keep ahead of the chains. You've got to keep ahead of the chains on the Chiefs because you can't sit in third and long against these guys. There's just – they're too good. They've, they've got their own – pass rush we know what can happen with Brady when they get pressure up front if Chris Jones starts wreaking havoc like he did against Josh Allen last week this game's over they've got absolutely no chance because Tom Brady cannot get away from anybody we know that so to me they've got to stay in second and manageable third and short third and medium and they've got a chance my second thing and we touched on it with Tucker there um, was uncover the disguise the Chiefs are going to disguise what they're going to do they're going to play two to four safeties they're going to be all over the map um, nobody's better than Brady to do that, but it'll be interesting to see. Well, give me a special matchup to watch. Like, what, what do you, where do you see it's going to be one and loss to the Chiefs? Do you think this is going to be the same old? Do you think it's going to be what they did? Are they going to, is this going to be all about Kelsey and Hill? Or, or it, there's, there's, I just don't see that happen. I think Arians, yeah, they've got lots of time to, to break it down. They have some film on them from, the, from when they played in late November, as I mentioned. Um, I, I think there's going to be other, other, um, guys that are going to have to step up, you know, Hardman, uh, Watkins, you're going to see a lot of, um, I, I don't want to say trickery, but a lot of reverses, a lot of, um, they're going to try and use speed out of the backfield in order to make it. What's your special match? Like, what do you think is the, you know, where, where do you see it all unfolding? Well, I think the, the first, the thing for the, for the chiefs defense is they've got to be able to, like I said, push that pocket, Chris Jones, Frank Clark, uh, Derek, you Alex Okafor, they've got to have a big game and keep Brady off of that spot. The second thing is I think you got to look out for good Godwin against LeJarius Sneed in the slot, against Tyron Matthew, 
They're going to be able to move him around. We know Mike Evans likes to stay on the outside. They like to maneuver Godwin around and Antonio Brown at times. So I think that's the key matchup they'll throw in. Miller, so whoever's in those slot positions and whoever's going to be covering them is going to be key because Brady's going to want to go there, especially if it's third and short, third and manageable. Um, he, you know, you've seen in the third and longs early on in that Packer game, he went deep up over top to Mike Evans. That's yep. his deep guy outside, yep. right? But I think inside the numbers there with Cameron Brait and, like I said, um, Antonio Brown, uh, Scotty Miller, all these guys that can't necessarily take the top off the defense is can the Chiefs, Chiefs defense cover these guys and get off the field on third down. Yeah, and you never even mentioned Gronk, which is fine. And we'll talk about that when we when we splice up our um, our Bucks keys to victory and where where we see it going. But um, why don't we get into uh, some bu- some Bucks chat and uh, and let's bring in a, a, another guest from um, from Tampa Bay. Let's talk. Well, listeners, uh, let's get into it here with some some Tampa Bay Bucks talk, and we've got another guest coming on. Uh, the deputy editor, and let's welcome to the show of Bucks Nation. We've got the co-host of Locked on the Bucks podcast, Mr. James Yarko. James, welcome to the Ginger Dutch podcast. Thanks for coming on. Oh, it's my pleasure, gentlemen. Happy to be here and uh, excited to talk about Super Bowl Derek Brooks. I <laughs> <laughs> love it. So, so how does a how does a guy from Ohio? Um, get ties to you know having all these uh you know deputy editor with bucks nation like i said and, and having a podcast to do with the tampa bay buccaneers let our listeners know how you got involved with all that yeah so uh i actually uh i dive into that quite a bit on uh on an episode of locked on bucks that came out on tuesday but uh I lived in st petersburg when the buccaneers started back in 1976 so my dad has been a fan of theirs since day one so i grew up following the Buccaneers and started to get a, a passion and a feel for writing. And I, you know, I followed the Buccaneers my whole life. I, I loved the team. I loved everything about it. I was borderline obsessed. So I, I called writing my healthy outlet for an unhealthy obsession. And it just kind of began to, to grow and grow. And I kept going further and further up the ladders of, of various outlets. And so, yeah, now, um, you know, I was the, the site expert for the pewter plank for a while and then i've joined sb nation and bucks nation with gil rc over there as his number two guy and david and i met at the pewter plank and the opening came up for the locked on bucks podcast and we jumped on it we've been doing it for about three three and a half years now and man what a to go from covering some really really terrible buccaneers teams since i started doing all of this back in 2015 to covering a super bowl it's just it's a dream come true well, neither of our teams have won a Super Bowl, so uh, at least you've got one uh, one under your belt. Uh, and uh, <laughs> and let's uh, let's hope Mister uh, Mister Brady himself can uh, uh, take down number two for you guys. Listen, I want to just start right off with with the game. We know it's going to be a great game. You know that Vegas line opened up right at the very start, and it hasn't budged. It's been at three the entire time. The Bucks have come off seven wins in a row. Their defense is sizzling. What do you find? What do you feel um, the keys of the game are going to be for you for those Bucks to, to ultimately win that second Super Bowl? Uh, a lot of it is about not beating themselves, and you know that was a problem early in the season. You saw some inconsistencies. You saw it with the Chicago Bears game, which uh, Bruce Arians actually came out and said that that game was the best thing that could have happened to them outside of the injury to Vita Vea. But they they were flat out beating themselves and. 
they had a run where they lost three out of four, including the one to Kansas City where they let yep. Tyreek just go wild in the first quarter. But since then, they've rattled off seven in a row. I know a lot of the the pundits and the talking heads have been saying, you know, Patrick Mahomes is the last quarterback to beat Tom Brady this season. And Tom Brady's the only quarterback to beat Patrick Mahomes in the postseason. But you take a look at this matchup, you take a look at how explosive and how dangerous the Kansas City Chiefs are. The Buccaneers have done such a great job of minimizing these explosive offenses that they've faced in New Orleans and in Green Bay. And they've done a lot of that by making smart decisions in the passing game. But playoff Lenny, Leonard Fournette, has come on so strong late in the year. Jason Light was talking to Peter King, and he had talked about how there was some frustration there with Leonard Fournette. And it was actually Antonio Brown that sat him down and said, look, be patient. You see how well this team is doing right now. You're going opportunity. Don't worry. And it was shortly after that that Leonard Fournette really started to take off. Ronald Jones goes down to injury. Fournette has made the most of his opportunity. So that has to continue on the offensive side of the ball. You have to ground and pound, take advantage of a average Kansas City rush defense and keep Mahomes and those guys over on the sideline, whereas on the defensive side, they really started to figure some things out in the second half of that Chiefs game. I mean, it was 17 to nothing in the blink of an eye, ends 27 to 24, and a lot of it was bracketing the coverage over the top to help Carlton Davis out with Tyreek Hill. It was bracketing coverage over the top of Travis Kelsey, and it's saying, look, we'll double these two all day long. you got to figure out how to beat us with somebody else, getting Devin White back against New Orleans in the playoffs. He missed the Washington game because of the, the COVID restrictions. He has been just an absolute monster. He is the heart and soul of this defense, and you see the difference in how this defense plays when he's on the field. So it's all about controlling the clock, minimizing Kansas City's opportunities offensively, both by dominating time of possession, but also doing your best to – you can't eliminate them, but you have to limit Tyreek and Kelsey as best you can. Yeah, and you and you mentioned that on the on the on the last game, and when we had a we had another fellow on from uh, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, Kansas City Chiefs and Tucker Franklin. We were just talking with him about that past game where uh, Tyreek blew him up for uh, I think it was almost 270 yards. But we can't forget that that Brady did throw for 350 yards that game. He had three touchdowns. I know he had a couple picks, but you're right; they just can't afford to go down 17 nothing again with uh, with Casey. I mean, they're going to have everybody healthy, and uh, it, it will be a tough slide, but. Uh, we were going to ask you, and I'm sure we're going to get into uh, an X factor. But yeah, we uh, Ginger was talking about Fournette and how how his playoff run has been amazing. Um, I I I think you're gonna I think it's going to be a little bit of different plan here. I think Brady's going to chuck the ball around a little more than what we all think. Oh, that's that's 100% possible, and you've seen the utilization. We we talk all season long and, and leading up to the season even about all these weapons. He's got a Vegas-style buffet of options on the offensive side of the ball with Evans and, and Godwin and Gronk, and he had O.J. Howard, who was clicking early in the year before he went down. You bring in Antonio Brown, you, but all of a sudden in the playoffs, in these key moments, he's looking to Cameron Brait. He's looking to Scotty Miller. He's looking to Tyler Johnson on crucial third down plays in the divisional round and in the NFC championship. So it's not always these big name players. And, and Tom Brady will take advantage of that. He'll, he'll look at it and say, okay, you want to try to eliminate Mike? You want to try to eliminate Chris? 
Well, guess what? I got Tyler Johnson, who has phenomenal hands. I got Scotty Miller, who can go toe-to-toe with just about anybody in the NFL in terms of speed. And if you try to play you know, press man on him, he's going to blow right past you, just like he did to King in the NFC Championship with one second left in, in the half to score a huge touchdown. So I, I definitely don't want to minimize what Brady's impact is going to be. And, and I do believe he is going to throw the ball you know, quite a bit. But I think you have to stay true to that run game. And if we can see an offensive split like we did in New Orleans, where it's almost a 50-50 split between the run and the pass, I think that really leads to an an advantage for the Buccaneers. Couldn't agree more. Yeah, and and that's we were talking earlier, and that's one thing I said that I think uh, that the Bucs are going to have to do. Switching over to Bruce Arians now, um, James, what – What's been Bruce Arians' number one attribute, or what has he done best this year uh, for the Tampa Bay Bucks in your mind? I think just the attitude that he brings. You know, he does not care what your opinion is. He is going to tell you exactly what he thinks, and that's it. He's going to be honest with you. And I think that's where that's where a lot of the speculation that oh, well, Tom and Bruce don't have a great relationship because Bruce said this in a, in a post-game press conference, or Bruce said this. And no, they have a great relationship. And he's come out and said, you know, Tom wants to be coached hard. But, uh, you know, when I'm asked a question, I don't think about it. I just answer honestly, and that's how he is. So you have a, a coach here with an incredible coaching staff, and he has Super Bowl experience. He's won Super Bowls as a coordinator and as a position coach. And you have him teaming up with, with the quarterback and Tom Brady. So he's brought a level of success, a level of credibility, a level of accountability to this team. And it's all really just kind of come together, even without the offseason, even without the regular training camp or the OTAs or, or everything like that. They've had to learn as they go. And I think the knowledge that Bruce Arians has and the experience to be able to share that with Tom and the two of them work together and work out these kinks as they go has really been what has sparked this seven game win streak. In fact, it was, it was after the chiefs game that it was Bruce and it was Tom Brady. And there were a couple other guys. They went out for a golf foursome and they were like, you know, we're going to go out, we're going to play some golf. We're going to figure this thing out and we're going to take it to the team and we're going to get things handled. And sure enough, it worked. Well, that's perfect. You mentioned that story because you've got uh, two local golf professionals here uh, on the Ginger Dutch podcast. So nice little, uh, nice little tidbit there for our listeners. Slide the golf in. I love it, James. James, I'm, I'm gonna. You mentioned the coaching staff for for Tampa Bay and and um, you know the likes of Byron Leftwich and and Todd Bowles. I want to look at Todd Bowles specifically, and I got a little two part question here for you uh, on a player you mentioned earlier that um, I think is going to be crucial to Tampa Bay winning. First off. Todd Bowles, do you think he's going to do what you said and, and just, you know, look at the second half game plan of what they did in the first game against Tampa? Or do you think he throws a wrinkle or two in? And second off, I think it's very important to look at what the Kansas City Chiefs do at running back in regards to protection. Are they going to keep the running back in to help a hurt and banged up offensive line? Because I feel if they do that, you may see Devin White on some creeper pressures and, and get into a flat-out pass rush against some of these tackles or running backs, and he could have a sack or two. We know his prowess when he's rushing the quarterback. 
I think they'd be more advantageous of splitting that running back out and making White cover the running back in the flat on the short routes and angle routes. Uh, give us your thoughts on that as well. Todd Bowles is one of the most intelligent football minds you will ever find. He's going to get his opportunity to be a head coach again. The, you know, a lot of people speculate and hope that he, you know, follows Bruce Arians once Bruce Arians decides to move on and Todd Bowles just stays, becomes a head coach of the Buccaneers. But he's so creative and he's so good at formulating these mismatches. And, and you bring up Devin White and Kansas City is going to have to account for him. Devin White led the NFL uh, as far as inside linebackers in sacks this season. He had nine. Yeah, just absolutely incredible. I have never seen, and, and you know, I'm somebody who grew up watching Derek Brooks. I have never seen a linebacker with closing speed the way Devin White has closing speed. So when he gets sent on these delayed blitzes, or you know, they're disguising what they're doing, and Todd Bowles is so good at it, he looks like he gets shot out of a cannon, and he's there in the blink of an eye. The problem, you know, that that you create now. If you're going to split a running back out and try to force Devin White to follow that running back and, and put him in coverage, well, now Todd Bowles can bring Levante David at you. And Levante David is, you know, again, one of the best inside linebackers in football. He is criminally underrated still. The fact that he and Devin White were not named to the Pro Bowl, they were not named to all pro teams, is an absolute crime. And and it's a shame because Levante David's been one of the best players in the NFL since he was drafted in 2012. Uh, so you can try to eliminate Devin White in that sense, but now you're going to have to deal with Levante David. You still have JPP and Shaq coming on the edges against backup tackles. They've even gone so far as to line Antoine Winfield Jr. up at nose this yep. season because Todd Bowles is so creative in trying to get the quarterback uncomfortable and unsure of what he's seeing in front of him. So, James, do you have an X factor then? Is there, a, is there one player out of those three that you just mentioned that possibly could be your X factor, or are you sticking to like a, a four net um, with a little bit of spice in there with Jones um, as an X factor? Do you got one specific? It's Vita Vea. I think unquestionably the X factor of this game is Vita Vea. He comes back from this injury, and we saw in the NFC Championship his first snap was a sack by Jason Pierre-Paul because he is so incredible at collapsing the pocket, and that's so important. And that, that's not something that the Chiefs saw when they faced the Buccaneers in Week 12 because, again, Vita Vea got hurt in Week 5. So the fact that he came back from a broken ankle earlier in the season is nothing short of miraculous. But you had, um, you had Levante David talking about Vita Vea earlier today in the media sessions talking about that guy takes up two blockers immediately as soon as he's on the field. They have to account for him with two men every time he's on the field. So if he's collapsing the interior of that pocket and, and forcing Mahomes to try to spin to the outside, one of the things that Mahomes is so good at, but now you have these backup tackles trying to contain Jason Pierre-Paul and Shaq Barrett. So there's going to be some times where Mahomes thinks he's going to escape trouble and instead he's going to run face-to-face -face into it. So Vita Vea's play, is going to be so key in what the Buccaneers are able to do defensively, forcing Mahomes to get rid of the ball faster than he wants to, trying to get him to escape pressure, you know, trying to create something out of nothing, which, again, Mahomes is the best in the league at doing. But that's what the Buccaneers have used 
to create some of these turnovers and cause some of these mistakes by opposing offenses. And they've been able to capitalize on it. So, you, you know, a wrinkle that, that the chiefs have not faced is that nose tackle, uh, you know, big number 50. And another thing to keep an eye on, I realize that they're in line to play, but that starting center for the Kansas city chiefs is under the COVID protocol right, right now. So if he misses the game as well, you're talking about three of your five starting offensive linemen being backups going up against guys like that. And let's not forget, you still have Indomitian and Sue right there next to him that can create all kinds of problems. But to me, it's going to start and end on the defensive side of the ball with what Vita Vea can do to the pocket. Amazing, amazing insight. And, you know, it's often forgotten. It's great for our listeners. Uh, the trenches are where it's won and lost, and you just laid it out perfectly for uh, exactly what we were hoping for. So that's awesome. James, uh, before we let you go here, let, give our listeners, uh, where can we find you? Let, let our listeners know where we can find you, what you're up to, and, and uh, you know, let's uh, get our listeners on board with what you're up to as well. Yeah, well, as, as you guys mentioned, I am the deputy editor of BucksNation.com. That is SB Nation's page covering the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You can find myself and David Harrison over on the Locked on Bucks podcast five days a week, Buccaneers content all year long. I mean, there is no offseason for the Locked On Podcast Network, so we go five days a week, year round. Uh, on Twitter, you can find me at jyarko underscore bucks. That's Y-A-R-C-H-O. And then I also run the Bucks Nation Twitter page, which is at bucks underscore nation. Amazing. Thanks for coming on, James. We appreciate it. And we'll uh, we'll look you up uh, in the offseason. Ginger and Dutch and I here, we're uh, NFL fiends, so I'm sure we'll get on in the offseason and have a little uh, salary cap chat and and find out what's new with the Bucks for the upcoming season uh, after they win this Super Bowl here. And from the boys up north, uh, we wish the Bucks uh, good luck this uh, this coming Sunday, and uh, let's hope they take it down. All right, gentlemen, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Had a great time. What great stuff by James. Uh, he blew me away with some of his things when he was talking about the lines. I know you got a few points you want to make before we do our closing remarks. You, you got you wanted a, you got a couple little points to fire on both sides, so. Tell us what we got before we shut this down. Yeah, we're, I'm almost ready. I just wanted to throw a couple things. One, one uh, James hit on perfectly there uh, with the Bucks D. Let the big boys eat. We all know that. We all heard it. A couple things for the Chiefs offense. Be who you are. You threw 62% of the time in the, in the regular season, only ran 38% of the time, 6.4 yards per play. Go make the big plays and just be who you are. You can't change now. You know you got a couple of those old linemen out, so be who you are. Number two, isolate and find. Can Andy Reid find a way to get Hill, Hardman, or Kelsey one-on-one with some of these guys, Winfield, Murphy, Bunting, Carlton Davis? Can he find a way to get even Kelsey on um, Levante David or White? Because I think he will. I think he will? I think he will, and I think think there's going to be a lot of different wrinkles. I know they do a lot of misdirection, a lot of... uh, we won't call it reverses, but a lot of motion coming back and forth. And I really think you're going to see that happen um, in different ways. There might be a couple of uh, double tosses here and there in order to get the speed and give these guys a chance to make the plays because you know Tampa's coming with a different, uh, a different, whole different game plan just figuring out how to shut downhill. And then my last thing for the Bucks defense, uh, we heard James great, give great insight on, on the big boys, but you got your fishing box out and what comes inside a fishing box? The tackle, baby. They got a tackle, tackle, tackle. The Chiefs are number one in yards after the catch in the NFL. Over 2,300 yards in yak, 
this season, the Bucks got to find a way to get these boys and this speed on the ground fast. They can catch the ball, but if they let these guys start running all over the park, look out. Well said. And I, I, I want to close off with, with what I talked earlier uh, with Tucker about the drop balls. You and I talked about it as well. From Tampa's side, if the Bucks don't have any misplays, meaning the drop balls, if they're catching all the balls across the board, he mentioned it as well. Uh, I just, uh, I think from our, from the Tampa Bay side, they've got a chance. And I'm going to throw this out to you right now. This is my prediction. I, I find it comes down right to the very end. We already talked about close games. Final score, 31-27. Tampa Bay Bucks and Tom Brady and the Magnet do it again. Ah, interesting, interesting. And it's funny you said that. So you got 31-27 Bucks. So you're you're going on the over. I'm going on the over at barely at 58. Yep. It's funny. I've got the same number at 58 again, but I've got it on the opposite side. I got it 34, 24. Kansas City close game, but Kansas City gets the ball with maybe six, seven minutes to go, and Mahomes takes the torch from Brady, drives down, gets the touchdown to make it 34, 24, 58 point total, and the over. Chiefs win. And that, folks, is our Super Bowl predictions and our Super Bowl breakdown. Hey, what a great show. Uh, good job with getting the guests. Uh, everybody enjoy the Super Bowl. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the half uh, the halftime show, no pun intended, with the weekend. And thanks again to, uh, to Tucker Franklin for coming on. Sorry we dropped you a little bit early there, but make sure you go and check him out on the Roughing the Kicker podcast. And thanks to James Yarko. We know where to find him at the uh, Locked on the Bucks podcast. So make sure you go check those guys out, providing great insight. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I'm going to miss you tomorrow, Dutch. We're live on Facebook for a Q&A. If any listeners are listening um, in the morning or at night here when we release this episode, catch me for a Q&A if you need to. We can't be in that. Tampa, remember that. We can't be in Tampa. <laughs> and thanks again for tuning in to the Ginger and Dutch podcast. I'm Ginger. And I'm Dutch.